Yenacast. 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 Uh, good morning, um, Rebecca Leith. Um, so good to have you on board um, with us this morning for our inaugural STEAM breakfast. Thank you for um, agreeing and, and coming along to be our keynote speaker. Um, do you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Give yourself a bit of a bio? Sure. Um, thank you for having me. I've had a great morning already. Um, so I am an alumna of Siena College. I graduated in 2017 and now I'm at Monash Uni and I'm studying science and engineering. I'm majoring in chemistry and in mechatronics, which is essentially robotics. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, one of the things that we were looking at at the STEAM breakfast was this theme of breaking the glass ceiling. Um, obviously this year, or maybe not obviously, this year is the UN International Year of Glass. Um, and we look at glass as this amazing object, uh, amazing material that does so many things in our everyday life. Probably things that we don't even think about, we take them for granted. You know, the touch screens on our phones and our devices, um, storage vessels for medicines, you know, it's used in microscopes, telescopes, you know, look at the James Webb telescope this year, the the, um, the glass present in all those technologies enables so much. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the metaphor of breaking the glass ceiling. Um, obviously, STEM is an area in which women are underrepresented, and I personally feel, as um, head of science here, just from, from engaging with the literature, um, women and girls are underserved by STEM and there's a lot of barriers there that are standing up and, and stopping involvement and stopping participation and putting blockers on them. I'm curious to hear your perspective as a, a woman in STEM about what those barriers might be. Yep, yeah. Um, I guess it's it's very hard to I mean, cover all of the things that many people may experience. There's a few barriers that I have definitely experienced myself. Um, and I think one of the main things is just that not feeling like you belong because you don't see other, you don't know any other women in STEM or you don't see that as a role model. And I think there's more, more recently, a lot more women that you see, um, you know, on the global stage in media, but, uh, yeah, growing up, I, I didn't have any women that were in STEM that I thought I want to be like her. So coming to uni where there are a lot of males in my classes, I have a lot of male teachers, I feel like, you know, you, you feel like you are that minority and maybe do you belong? Are you good enough to be able to do this? And um, it's just, you know, pushing through that and hoping that uh, you'll find those other there's other girls which I'm very lucky to have found um, on my student team that I've joined. I have got, you know, I'm, I'm among 30 other girls on the team and there's, it's just a great cohort where all of us have that shared experience of, you know, we didn't feel like we could do it either and we felt really alone in class and now that we've found each other it's just so exciting to, to know that you've got someone else who's got your back and believes in you too and has had that same experience of not feeling good enough maybe. Thank you. Um, I'm curious also to hear from our um, students here. We've got Imogen Panetta here from Year 10 and Madeline Castoldi from Year 11, um, both keen science students. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit about your experience? Are, are there things that are stopping you from doing science, engineering, maths, the STEM sort of fields? Do you feel like there's barriers to you doing it? Or do you feel like you can choose to do those pathways if you wanted to? Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> um, I found, now that I've come to Siena, I found it's much, it seems like much more of an option. When I was little, I didn't really have that much representation of women like in the STEM field. But now that I've come to Siena, they've been really good at like showing that it's like an option, showing what it's like actually like by having people like you, Rebecca, come in and tell us what their experience has been. Like really encouraging as well. Mm -hmm. uh, do you, are you interested in pursuing STEM studies further beyond the college walls? I think so. Um, yeah, actually. Yeah. 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 And do you personally have any role models? So obviously we're lucky enough when we're joined by these guests here, like Rebecca, coming in to share with us their stories and their journeys and, and what they do. In your personal lives, do you have any of those sort of role models as well? Um, I have a couple of friends studying like engineering and stuff, mm -hmm. like outside of school. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they like it, so yeah. yeah. And uh, just curious, out of curiosity, are they males, females, a mix um, of both? Females. Oh, oh wow. So, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's good. And how about you, Men? Um, I feel like most of mine are still come from inside the school. Yeah. I know a few of like my friends' mums and stuff. They have gone into more sciencey fields. They've done like an extra degree, mm -hmm. or they're like still searching for what they want to do, but in the STEM field, mm -hmm. and that's been really cool to see as well. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, Rebecca, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey? I know um, when you gave your keynote, you were addressing this, um, you know, I guess your backstory. You didn't always want to be doing science or engineering. What, what yeah. happened? And can you tell us a little bit about what you did before you, you got on board? Yeah, from when I was your age, girls, when I was in year 10 and 11, I was dead set going to be a ballerina and that was it for me. <laughs> so everything was about that and I did what a few girls at Siena currently do where I left school at midday and I'd go and dance all afternoon and train and I um, got into the Queensland Ballet Academy in year 11 and went up to Queensland and did that for three years. So I did my year 11 and 12 um, in this sort of after school program I guess uh, where we'd start school at about three o'clock and right. um, so we'd dance all morning and then we'd get a bus to uh, a public high school and join in with some um, other kids there. So when I was at high school I wasn't I mean I still tried I still enjoyed um, school but I didn't really care I didn't want to do uni I didn't care what my ATAR was because I wasn't going to use it I was never planning on using it so I did dance, um, VC dance. I did uh, drama and French and English and um, the equivalent there of maths methods. And I still, you know, did fairly well. And then I spent my full first year out of school dancing full time, which was really cool to experience what it's like for a professional dancer. I wasn't paid. It was like a training program. And then at the end of that year was when, you know, a few people got job offers, a few people went to um, you know, Europe or some people go to the US to try and audition over there. And I just sort of missed school and didn't know if I really wanted to do this. Did I want to you know, put in all the work and try to um, become a ballerina when there's sort of other things that were sort of pulling and I was, I was sort of wondering, you know, 
what else could I do? And so I just decided to enroll in, um, apply for a few unis and I enrolled in Monash Science and Arts just as a why not? I didn't really know what science I liked, so I did biology, chemistry and um, psychology all in my first year. And then I just found this love for chemistry. I just really liked it. It was really cool. And I just kept doing more chemistry units. I just kept picking up more until that was my major, basically. I'd already done like half the units that I needed to do. And then I thought um, I'd join a team, which is when I joined my robotics team. And uh, I came on to do chemistry for the team. And then I sort of discovered what engineering was. And before that, I really didn't understand what engineers did uh, and I sort of learned some skills with them and then figured why not just study engineering too and so I um, dropped the arts that I was doing and picked up engineering and I have never looked back it's just it's been awesome so it's a very windy windy path from you know me uh, back in 2015 2016 um, to now it's I could never you know if I told myself in year 11 you'll be doing engineering and science I would have said no way. I don't care about those things at all. So, yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting path, for sure. Right. Hmm. It is a very circuitous path. I think it's an important message um, to hear that life's not straightforward. It's not this linear path where you go through the subject selection and you choose subjects and then that's directly going to be your career. And sometimes mm-hmm. it can be vastly different from what you expect. Um, why, while you were training as a ballerina... Can I call you a ballerina? Is yes. That okay? <laughs> yeah. um, did you have any overlap where you were doing this, doing some science and still doing dance and training? And how did you go balancing those parts of your life? Yeah, so in the last um, six months that I was dancing, uh, when I was sort of starting to miss school, I thought I'd try and do an online unit, just one unit of um a university degree so that's like a quarter of what a full-time student would do and um, so I picked up a psychology unit with Deacon and did that online for the semester and it was I I remember distinctly having this little notebook that I went into my ballet classes with and I'd sit next to we had a live piano player pianist in every class so they'd be playing and I'd be sitting there under the piano like writing my notes while I wait for my turn and then I'd get up and dance and then I come and sit back down again. So it was a bit, I mean, it's a bit iffy. I don't think the teachers liked that I was sitting there writing notes about psychology, but um, yeah, there was, I sort of had my textbook and my notebook and sprawled on the floor in my point shoes. So it was a bit of a weird, a weird view. Um, But yeah, that's when I sort of discovered like, I kind of do miss studying. I do miss doing this kind of stuff and I'm not sure whether I, you know, do I want to do ballet for the next 10, 20 years? Maybe I'll find, you know, maybe there is something else that I'll love just as much. And so, uh, yeah, to when I did go to uni, I had to basically just drop all the ballet, though, um, because it's very hard to take, you know, a long time off and then get back to your peak physical condition. Anyone doing, um, you know, uh, any athletes, I guess, anyone doing sports or uh, in the arts industry know that you need to keep it up or you'll, you'll lose it quickly. So it's, it was just that journey of, um, you know, I've got to really take a shot in the dark here and try something new and worked out. I'm interested (laughs) to hear how you describe it as a a sort of a pull. You had this sort of thing pulling you Mm -hmm. out of something that was clearly your passion. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering 
to our students here, Imogen, Maddie, are you feeling any sense of pull with your future careers or your future directions or things that you're going to do? Um, I definitely want to do something science-y, mm -hmm. the science field, and like, yeah, my grandpa's like always telling me to do something like, you know, science-y and mm -hmm. like medical. So, and I've always been like really interested in like engineering and like how things like operate and stuff. So, I'm the same. I'm thinking, I don't really know anything specific that I want to go into. I'm thinking just start maybe with like a general science degree and then figure out what I really like in there. Mm. Get some sort of broad exposure yeah. to what is actually available. Mm. You know, the school feels very big while you're in it, and then once you're out, you realize that there is a whole lot of things yeah. to do. Um, Beck, can you tell us a little bit about this project, this little hobby that you've got going on the side? I think our listeners might be very keen to hear a bit more mm -hmm. about it, um, about this app. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, this is, it's actually, so it's, it's a mobile app that I created. I wrote it in JavaScript, which is a coding language. Um, it's a fairly old language. Uh, but I knew that when I started engineering, one of the first subjects that I was doing, they give you a broad taste of different things. One of the first subjects we needed to learn JavaScript and do that in class. And I knew that they were going to teach it to us in the class, but I knew I was going to be really nervous because there's so many people that would have already done some coding. And so I thought I'm going to do some and then I'll be ahead and then I won't feel nervous because that's often, you know, the scariest thing or when you think I'm not good at maths. You know, you don't want to be the one in the class that doesn't know. So I always try to go, all right, I'll do my own research and I'll go in and I'll know a little bit. So I thought, let's find something that I can do that is fun, that actually teaches me some of the stuff I need to know. So uh, you guys may or may not have seen the movie Clueless. Yeah. Do you know that movie? So in the opening scene, the main character is in a room and she's on her computer and she's clicking through this screen with different outfits. Do you maybe yeah. remember that? And she chooses her like checkered yellow blazer and skirt combo. Um, very iconic. But she had all these like little buttons and she can click through and choose what clothing she wanted out of her wardrobe. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I had that? You know, yeah. this movie was made in like the 90s. I can surely make that happen. So I went to work and got photos of everything in my wardrobe. And then I started on this app. So I first made like this database of all my clothes. Then I had to categorize them all. Is this a top? Is it a skirt? Is it shorts? What color is it? Does it have a pattern? Um, and then how warm is it? So I had a scale of one to five of warmth. And then another scale, one to five, of how fancy is it? Yeah. yeah. So then in the... Um, how does one measure fanciness? Well, okay, so, I mean, what I'm wearing today is probably like a four or a five. So I've got my, you know, big uh, fancy coat on and I've got, you know, like dress pants and high heel boots, that kind of a thing. And then something, maybe a three might be like maybe a denim skirt and uh, like a casual blouse t-shirt and then a one is like my super casual just like trackies, trackies or whatever yeah. yeah but I I didn't include all my trackies in it because I thought I don't really need to choose which trackies to wear I'll just I'll keep the scale a little bit higher so um my trackies I'll wear them I don't need to have the app tell me what to do there anyway so I've got this whole database with all my clothes on it and then I had to figure out how is the app going to decide what I should wear. So one thing I did was um, the weather, which is you can connect. Um, so my app connects to the internet so it can 
uh, get data from the Bureau of Meteorology in Melbourne and it'll get uh, you basically can find I found on a website just how to write this code so that pulls the info from Melbourne from that day and puts it all into the app and then from that I go through and find what's the maximum temperature of that day and then I put that in to uh, my script the main code which tells me um, what's the weather score for today and so then there's like a range so if it's between 10 and 15 degrees then it's a it's a five that's the maximum cold score and then if it's up at 25 to 30 it's a one like or no actually a two the minimum it can be is two so then the clothing all has its scores so a singlet and shorts would be a score of one each and so when I get it to select the clothes, it has to pick a singlet, which is a one, and then it has to check what's the score at the moment. Oh, it doesn't meet the weather score. It has to get one more item of clothing and it grabs the shorts. Mm. And then on a colder day, it'll have these two items and then it'll go, oh, it's still not meeting the weather score of four. It needs to grab a jacket too. And the jacket might be a score of two. Or if it's a light jacket, it might be a score of one. And if it does that, then it might go, uh-oh, we only have a light jacket. We're still at a three. We need to switch something. And so then it might switch out the shorts for pants. And so it goes through and randomizes and um, gives me this outfit. And then the fanciness is basically just, uh, if I give it a score of fanciness from my database, it'll only grab the items that are a score of four and bring those across. Wow. So I can only choose from those. So you actually have the clueless app now. Basically, yeah, yeah. So it's good fun and I'm going to try to, you know, refine it, make it more fashionable. As I said, I want it to be able to tell me, like, it'll put a, a floral top with plain pants. So it'll have one item that's pattern and then that means it can't have any more patterned items. Otherwise, I'll be pattern on pattern. Yeah. Just coming back to the theme of um, girls and women in STEM, do you think if you have options like this where you're creating a, a useful app that helps you decide on what you're going to wear that there are you know that it's more of a draw card for perhaps more girls like if they're finding a real mm -hmm. useful purpose for digital technologies for you know for science engineering maths yep. that they might actually go ah oh, this is something that that could work for me yeah I'm definitely to hear from all of you mm. do you guys want to yeah sure um i think that would be a really good way to get more women and girls into STEM because it's a lot about finding a new way to use science in that area because I think a lot of people will think that science is just you know mixing chemicals in the lab which it can be but it can also be so many other things mm -hmm. and it's important that people know that mm -hmm. yeah do you think it's also about what that's used for I think like I think there's a bit of a gender discrepancy there mm -hmm. um, I think from some literature that um, many people find mixing chemicals together exciting and you know get some chemical reactions and color changes and some explosions going on that will be fun but we see that um, girls in particular probably want to know what the application of it is like how does it work with people what am I going to do it for like I'm not going to just do it for the sake of having fun whereas you know a young boy might and mm -hmm. I, I, I hesitate here to use that strongly stereotypical language yeah. but do you think that if there was more application of, of different parts of, of STEM that you would see more uptake of girls in STEM? Yeah definitely like I feel like there's just not as much of a push of all the different types of science and it's like very stereotypical like the mixing chemicals mm -hmm. but like 
I feel like there's so much more, as Maddie said, and mm -hmm. I feel like that needs to be like pushed out and for people to see, especially like young girls. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, while we're on that topic of stereotypes, when you, I'm curious to know what you think of the disciplines. Like, if I say to you biology, what's what images are you know coming to you? What what, what sort of responses are elicited by that? Plants. Plants. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. And what about if we turn it to something like physics? You know, what's your mental model of physics? When you hear physics, when we have a guest speaker come in, they say physics or, or they say chemistry. What sort of things are elicited for you? With physics, I think, like, mostly, I think more engineering, I think, mm -hmm. and things like with, like, 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 astronauts and things, they do a lot of things to do with physics and mm -hmm. building rockets that can go, like, up into space. Mm -hmm. You think more about that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I um, I remember when I was at Siena, I had a friend who, wanted, who was doing physics. And I said, oh, what's that about? I don't I don't get it. And she's like, oh, it's all like maths. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I just sort of went, oh, okay. I think I that's, a, that's a so, common response, isn't it? It's, it's, it's just math. It's just math. It's just yeah. applied maths. And but if I don't like maths, I don't like shouldn't physics. Shouldn't do it. Exactly, but the thing is, I, I read this amazing physics book, and I, like, there's so many awesome books out there that, that, completely just shook that um stigma away from me because now when I think of physics I think especially I did this um a chemistry research project that was physics based and oh. it was about glass actually wow. it was about on, on <laughs> sort of yeah um you know lead light how it's like colored right yeah. so that's been around for many years like in really old churches and the way that they make it colored is they have these tiny little specks of gold like nano-sized specks of gold in there. And um, they can also do it with silver. But they didn't know what they were doing back then. They just loved gold, if you yeah. know about back in the day. Alchemy, they are like, this is the elixir of life. Yeah. So, or they thought. Um, so I did this study on gold nanoparticles, tiny little particles. And I found that if you put them in different shapes, they can make um, different light interact with them differently which is why you get these different colors like red and mm. blue and all this the full color spectrum and so they're finding ways where um like what i did was a computer simulation of this rod of gold and then i'd change the ends to be more round or more pointy or asymmetrical and see whether there's different interactions with light which there was and mm. it was really cool because there's so many applications of this, not just lead light, of course. Um, if you know about the light spectrum, I'm going into physics now. Um, when you go um, one way on the light spectrum towards infrared, you know that infrared is heat and that it's vibration. And that is how things get warm because the particles are moving around, they get really hot and they have lots of energy. Um, and so if you have uh, heat aimed at the little particles you can basically amplify that heat and make them vibrate and get really really hot like burning hot so there's an application to potentially use these in um, like cancer therapy mm -hmm. to target specific cancer like cancerous cells in the body and if you inject gold which gold as we know you wear it as jewelry so it doesn't like react with your skin it doesn't get yeah. tarnished or rusty so you can put that in the body and it's fairly harmless and then if you just heat it up in that right spot, you could maybe kill those cells without damaging all the cells around it. And because they're so small, they can be really targeted. So, so many cool things like that, which is, you know, that's a biomedical application, but it stems from physics and then it's discovered only by doing the chemistry to work out how to grow those rods. Mm 
Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. So now when I think of physics, I just think of like lead light, <laughs> as weird as it is, and cancer therapy. So. So that's what we need, those sort of descriptions of those disciplines within mm. an actual context that has a lot of meaning. Yeah. It's, it's really, not just maths, really cool. It? No, it's not just maths. But no. everything's just maths at the end of the day. Okay. So. Um, <laughs> we are out of time today. So I just wanted to say thank you very much um, for all of your time, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us and for sharing your expertise and your experience. Um, and thank you as well, um, Maddie and Imogen, for um, your contributions today. Sienna cast, Sienna cast, Sienna cast, Sienna cast.